Welcome to Loading the Bar with physical training experts Parker McBride and Matt Wasco. Our Fit Lifestyle podcast covers the science of nutrition and fitness, together with the challenges we all face to be disciplined. We'll guide you through the minefields of fads and gimmicks and all manner of BS that tempt us in today's fitness world. Ready to begin? Then let's start loading the bar. Welcome back, everybody, to the Loading the Bar podcast. I am Parker McBride, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt Wasco. And we have a very special guest for you guys today. We told you guys on our last podcast we'd be welcoming on Steve Sanborn this week. So we're really happy to have him. Steve is a guy involved in all sorts of stuff, really, but um, he really focuses on the health and wellness world, and he's got some interesting products that um, he can talk about today. So, Steve, we really want to thank you for coming on our podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. And yeah. Matt, how are you doing today? I am doing fine. I'm excited for the week, um, and I am looking forward to always a new fun podcast, yeah. especially with my buddy, Steve. Yeah, so that's Steve and Matt. They go back a long time. A little so. bit. A little, little bit, bit of a history there. That a lot of history. We won't on. get into that. Getting a bit of a vibe. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. We might have to. I might have to try to keep them under control here. Today. Yeah. But all right. So first, um, we introduced last week a new segment, the fitness focus segment. And, oh yeah. Uh, I sent Matt a, a really good article for the fitness focus this week, and the headline that I saw reads: "Peanut M and M's are healthier than beef and pork." Yeah, Bill Gates Dig up. study claims. <laughs> so Matt was generous enough to provide some peanut M&Ms. For I the want to be healthy. Today. My dreams have come true. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I want to be healthy, and I've all about. I'm so glad that they've come out with a study and told us that peanut M&Ms are more healthier red meat. Now it just makes my world. I'm gonna have these sugar rushes. I'll go in and lift really hard with a sugar rush, and not worry about, you know building my muscles up with right. protein. You don't need to do that anymore. Well, yeah. they looked at all kinds of different things. They looked at vitamins, minerals, nutrient ratios, uh, fiber and protein, phytochemicals. They looked at all this stuff, and they studied these different foods, and then they gave a rating on a scale of 0 to 100 right. on these foods. All right. So there was a lot of them. <clears throat> um, the top food that they studied was cereal they came in at 64 out of 100 so we go down we have m&ms m&ms scored a 35 which is pretty low but then you have beef coming in below that at 29 out of 100 and pork at 24 and at the very bottom beef sausage at one so what, what did they wait that would, they would put red meat down there? Well, they just, they basically, it doesn't give a detailed analysis here, but they basically uh, just use these different factors, vitamin content, mineral content, nutrient ratios. That's what they said anyway. Isn't it nice to know that we've been wrong the whole time? Yeah. I mean, it's just all We have the, to change our podcast oh, now. <laughs> I mean, we have, we have to revise all our earlier podcasts on what we've been telling people and just say... Buy a bag of M&Ms and just go to town. Yeah. You know. Think about going to McDonald's and ordering like a peanut M&M sandwich. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You're not serving that beef, are you? Because, I mean, damn. Yeah. Can you make steaks out of peanut M&Ms? 
Well, <laughs> let, let, let me tell you some of the uh, additives that are in, in peanut M&Ms. So it's got, uh, there's four different food colorings in there that are considered hazardous to your health. And as Steve starts eating that yummy M&M, um, let me pull that up real quick because it was, uh, let's see, M&M's. Bear with me here. Here we go. Um, there we go. So on a scale of, this is an app called Yuka, and it's it kind of weighs sodium a little too heavy. And, um, but outside of that, it rated M&M's zero out of 100. Wow. And so the additives that are in here, um, let me give you some of the, like, uh, tartrazine, which is a, a food coloring, and it causes hyperactivity, attention deficit disorder in children, and when, when it's combined with sodium, it's believed to cause hypersensitivity and tolerance reactions, uh, cause neurotoxicity in learning and memory deficits um, in some cancers. And that's just one of them. There's four that are considered hazardous. Right. And like anything, if you're eating these all the time, yeah. you know, it's, it's no reason that, you know, we have an entire population dying of cancer. Yeah. So, well, then you yeah. also have behavioral issues in children because of the dyes on these types of things. And this is an interesting looking M&M. I've never seen this color before. I thought it was very appropriate because we're talking about red meat. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, that looks like a red peanut M&M. Maybe, right? they, maybe they tried there's to... There's only one in the bowl, too, and it was sitting right on top. You did that on purpose, didn't you? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, it's got a little bit of uh, brown coloring there. Maybe we're trying yeah. to make that look like red meat. So if I eat this one and I start kind of, you know, pulling a jerk to the right or something like this, <laughs> you'll know. Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, carnu carnuba racks. Is that how you say that? I don't know. I've um, that. Yeah, so I think it has all kinds of, like, I'm counting... One, two, three, four, five, six negative marks of additives they but put in But those are the here. details that escaped the guys on apparently, that side of the study. Apparently. Right. Well, like we talk about, it's all about who funds the study. Yep. Yeah. You know, and we have a Bill Gates study here. Yep. And, you know, we all know Bill Gates wants us to eat less red meat. He does have some opinions about well, he's, red he, meat. He's behind the, the bug protocol, right? Yeah. yeah. He wants to bugs, bugs and M&Ms. Yeah. Bugs and M&Ms. A well-balanced diet. I bet bugs are 100 out of 100. Candy-coated <laughs> Well, you know what's interesting here? I, I didn't notice this till right now, but possum, cooked possum is on here at 57. <laughs> Man, I'm in luck. I just saw one of them in my backyard yesterday. If, if you need to go scoop the roadkill out up off the road and... And Can you imagine like dinner. roaming, roaming the, the neighborhood with a, with a BB gun looking yeah. for the possums? In Fire up the grill, honey. I'll be home in 10. <laughs> Cooked squirrel at 56, coming in just behind potato chips. Wow. So that's interesting. I would really these are not... things that beat red meat? Are you telling me that? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Red meat was 35. Mm-hmm. No, right. uh, 29, actually. Okay. All right. I think we're good. Hey, man. You know... <laughs> Don't but, listen to Bill Gates. Yeah, I'm like, what the? I don't know what to say about well, this. This is shocking. I, it's surprising that they expect people to really believe this. Yeah, but they do. Obviously, I found that there are yeah in different camps of society, culture, etc. There are always camps of people who will believe things. Right. I'm not saying they're stupid or dumb or anything, but 
you deliver information a certain way and it just resonates with somebody and, and, and they may kind of want to hear it. Right. right? It's kind of reason. like permission almost. Yeah. Oh, this is giving me permission right. to eat M&Ms yeah. and potato chips yeah. and, and yeah. possum. Yeah. <laughs> if the expert at building the 486 back in 1982 says it's true, then it must be true. That's right. Or actually, no, I'm, I should say that he did have some researchers do it, but they didn't include the details. <laughs> so I noticed that no one has jumped in and eaten these, so I guess we all don't believe this Yeah, I don't know. I mean, after what you just said were in them, I'm <laughs> not sure I want to know. What are we going to do with them? <laughs> um, I'll probably put them in a bag and then ceremonially drop them in the trash. Put them in a slingshot. Oh, that's a good idea. We could, we could, we could like, you know, build a target of some kind. Yeah. I'm going to say what will be on the target. That, that's be careful. To decide. That's be careful. Yeah. <laughs> so whatever's on that target, we can use these with a slingshot. Well, I'll take the red meat. I'll take the red M&Ms. <laughs> so I think we've, uh, without going too far into that, we don't believe Bill Gates. I'm having a hard time yeah, with that one. Absolutely. Always be skeptical of the studies you read. Think about who studies them. And also think about logic in the situation. You know, yeah. it's easy to read it and say, well, this is science, so it must be true. But but let's apply some logic to the situation. Does right. it really make sense for M&Ms with all this processing and additive ingredients to be healthy yes. for you? It really comes down to common sense almost. Yeah. Don't, don't ignore your own experience and your own senses. Yeah. Don't do that. Well, Parker said something that always resonated with me. It's like, there's what a study or a person says, and then there's what I've done in the gym and I've seen work. And that has to have some value. Of course. So, and that yeah. includes your nutrition. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, what are the results of the person that you have trained that only eats M&Ms all the time? Yeah. Well, can you imagine if someone came into the gym and there's like, a, hey, uh, you know, what are your advice for a dent for uh, nutrition? And I said, eat a cup of M and M's. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, outside of being abuse, I would probably <laughs> say, you know, I could prescribe that to someone to see what would happen to them. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's just crazy. It is. Yeah, there is something to be said for empirical data. I mean, a good farm mm. fresh egg in the morning, in my opinion, is better than cereal. And I mean, I'm no doctor. <laughs> <laughs> but I do have some empirical data yeah. having kids and having been around for a while and eaten cereal and looked at the results and felt the results versus eating a farm fresh egg in the morning. Yeah. I, I know where I know where to go. Eggs are the superfood. Totally are. Yeah. And cereal is garbage as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree Amen 100%. To that. Now that we agree on eggs. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Steve. Well, I think now we should let you talk a little bit about just what you're all about, um, what you're doing, and kind of where you're wanting to go with it. Yeah. So I have a company here in Kansas City called Neurologic. Uh, we've been in business for about six years now. Um, we started on um, the notion that uh, we could place a particular type of medical device in different um, practitioners' clinics, et cetera, and that was an EEG device. Um, I am not a doctor, I'm not a scientist, um, I'm a business guy. Um, largely my career has been in the marketing and communications world. So how do you stumble into starting a business around EEG? Uh, well, you get introduced to the product and you're so wowed by the technology that um, you're like, I gotta be a part of this in some way, right? So, and you know, my, if I have healthcare, 
background in my career. It's certainly not in being a provider, but I have been involved in different organizations at a communications marketing level. Um, so I have some background in that sense. But the EEG product is uh, called Wavi, W-A-V-I, and uh, the company, Wavi as well, um, is based out in Boulder, Colorado. So I was introduced to the product, and you know, at the time I thought I would approach them to see if I could work with them on a marketing level. And as I got to know, know them and the product, um, I decided to uh, take on a partner, and we started hitting the bricks, right? I mean, we started on the sales side and the distribution side. And I started to really learn a lot about how practices work and what practitioners need and, you know, just what are the practicals around um, running those kinds of businesses and providing patient care and, um, and getting involved in more cutting-edge technology that's been proven. Um, largely, I work with devices that are FDA cleared, although that's not universally true. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be, but, uh, Wavi is one that is an FDA cleared medical device. And so we use that to capture data inside, um, the patient's brain, or as I like to call them, the client. Um, and so, uh, the, the whole purpose of using Wavi is to grab what is called P300 data and to explain that quickly, uh, it's just to summarize, um, your brain responds to stimuli, right? Sounds, sights, etc., and it does that by kicking out a uh, what's called an ERP, an evoked response uh, potential. And so it's a measurable electrical, lack of a better way of saying it, impulse. Uh, it it pushes out an electrical uh, reaction. This goes all the way to the scalp, right? If I clap my hands here your brain will have an organic response to that. And that's measurable. Mm -hmm. There's about six decades of research around the P300 that correlates it to either a healthy brain state or a not so healthy brain state. It will act as a biomarker that you can use to kind of measure. I always tell people it's a little bit like a scale in a weight loss program, right? Um, it's not a diagnostic. Uh, as a scale is not a diagnostic, right? But if you stand on the scale and you discover you're 30 pounds over where you should be, well, the scale's not going to tell you why. That's up to you and your practitioner to figure out whether that's too many mm. funions or a thyroid condition or whatever the cause might be of that weight problem. So Wabi acts that way for the brain. It measures right. certain things, and then you compare it to normative data, and then you can decide on treatments and interventions from there, and then you just do this back and forth, and it's what we've developed is just a track-and-treat concept. Track the problem by measuring it, treat the problem, go back and track and measure again, um, and do that until the patient is healed or better or cured or however you want to say that. So like a measurement and an intervention. Yes. Measurement and intervention uh, definitely <clears throat> fits within the name. So that's sort of a subtitle to our business. So the P300, that 300 stands for? 300 milliseconds. So which is the average? That is. That is the average speed of that wave. So when that comes from deep in the hypothalamus and it moves all the way to the scalp where it's measurable, that should take a third of a second, 300 milliseconds. So is that like when I think I'm going to clap my hands mm -hmm. and to the point where I clap my hands, it's usually 300 milliseconds? Is that should what be. you're saying? Yeah. I mean, if you hear that sound, mm -hmm. right, your brain's response to that sound oh, okay. uh, will take 300 milliseconds. And that's measurable. And it should also have a certain amplitude. 
right? So the brain functions a bit like a battery. Um, and so we can call it voltage or amplitude as we talk about it. Um, and then that speed of the wave is referred to as a delay or a latency or just standard word speed. Into the microphone. So, sure. Yeah. So, so, yeah. So, um, so if somebody has a concussion, for instance, or if they have a cognitive decline issue or a mental or mood challenge that they're facing, that P300 will behave differently than a normal P300. Right. And then it's up to the practitioner to piece that together with other, presumably other tests that they may be running, putting all that data together, all those puzzle pieces together and saying, you know, I've got objective data, I've got anecdotal, I've got this, I've got that, I've done a couple of other types of screenings. I might be looking at an early onset dementia situation here. I think right. that's probably what it is. And the data, you know, can help to confirm that, although it is not a diagnostic in and of itself. So anyway, that's how but that all it, came about. The, and I don't want to misspeak here, but it can identify the possibility of a tumor. Is that going too far out there to say? It's or? not an imaging device. Right. Um, it, it could certainly detect what may be um, abnormal brain physiology as a result of having a tumor. Mm -hmm. But it certainly would not, in and of itself, um, it wouldn't alert a practitioner necessarily to a tumor. It might lead the practitioner to go with some additional tests where they mm -hmm. may discover that then. They may say clearly something's off here mm -hmm. and then determine through another test that, yeah, you have a tumor. So if you someone had something like that, and it could be a head trauma or something like that, because I know that like uh, working with this in the past, you do a scan and you could, after you see the, the results, have you been in, uh, had head trauma in the past? Oh, yeah. Oh, I've had a car accident. I can see that. Yes. Yeah. And you can see that primarily in how the amplitudes in the brain are measuring. So let's just say we have a 17-year-old healthy male and you would expect 18 to 23 microvolts. But you see that I know what that means. At, well, they're very small, right? Yeah. It's a very small measurement of electricity, but, right. but it's, that's the human brain. So, um, but, but instead, that young man has 3.5 microvolts. Well, clearly something's wrong. And that actually harkens from a case that we actually worked on with a young guy who was a great hockey player, I'm told, but he was on his fifth concussion. That's a lot of concussions. And so the doc said, well, you're looking good on the outside, right? The manifestations of this injury have seemingly gone away. But based on the fact that it's your fifth one, I want you to go in and get a Wabi screening where we discovered it was 3.5 microvolts. And so he sat the rest of the season out because he was not in a place where it was safe to return to play yet. And this is a problem that, uh, you know, we face across the country where up to 35% of the time, concussion injured athletes return to play too soon you know for obvious reasons you know people want to be on the field they want to be playing we want to win we want to you know whatever championship whatever um but part of the price that can be paid is that you stack injury on top of injury that isn't healed and 12 years later you're wondering why this young person with a great life is suffering from clinical depression and it is necessarily linked back to those very proximate injuries that they had in their youth, but it was forgotten, right? It's over now. It's healed, so to speak. But we even have a way to see old injury versus new, fresh injury, right? So that the, the markers will appear different in our report. So, so anyway, just to give you a sense, what's different about this EEG product and, you know, with regard to other types is that it's exceptionally fast 
It's exceptionally accurate. It's portable. It's comfortable. It's all the things that EEG of the past were not. It's right. even affordable. I mean, all right. of those barriers are gone. <clears throat> and so, so that's, um, that's helpful for practitioners, even if they have not in the past offered a lot of brain health or neurological health services, they actually can now with this, all right? One does not have to be a neurologist in order to provide a scan to a patient and read uh, and compare normative data with customized data for that person and then determine what are we going to do. So, so that's how everything started. That's kind of a probably a more long-winded than I had intended, but um, that led us down some different roads that we weren't expecting with practitioners um, who, you know, probably because of their background in other types of medicine would say, man, I really love this report. What do you have in the way of brain health treatments? Intervention, um, yeah. Me? Yeah, you figured <laughs> out there was a problem and now right. they're asking for a right. solution. Right, yeah. I'm like, I don't, I don't understand. What do you mean, Doc? <laughs> <laughs> so so that, that happened enough to where I started having some flags up and I'm like, the, the, the bigger opportunity here for many types of practitioners is is to combine these things and to create a track and treat methodology. And the treatment side can be, you know, pretty extensive. Uh, it can be quite a lot of different things that can help to heal uh, the human brain uh, for whatever it's suffering. And then to go back in that reproducible way, look at that data again and say, the amplitude is twice as good as it was last time. Let's keep going in this direction. Um, so that got us into a few different, you know, as I say, you know, treatment options. And, and at this point, we're kind of, we're super open-minded open about having um, many different types of treatments available. If it's something that we think we can understand and it has a fantastic reputation and it's, you know, not, not necessarily cutting edge, but if it is cutting edge or if it is new and effective and, and fairly well researched, then, then we'll take a look at it and consider. Well, for our audience, I want to go back to something you said earlier where you said if someone has a 3.5 micro, is it microvolt? Microvolts. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, what, how does that manifest? Well, um, so it manifests in the sense that the, the cap that we put on the head is receiving that electrical wave that the brain puts out. And it's literally capturing it in electrodes, and then it's feeding it into a software. No, I meant like their behaviors. Is it something oh. that you? Is it like? It, are they moving slower? Are they not? The yeah, reaction time right. slower? So, those type of things. Well, firstly, what it what it does not do um, is it doesn't dictate the level of intelligence that someone has. Right. A lot of times, people can get a little nervous about this being the first time they've ever done something like this. Um, low amplitude would probably manifest in feeling a lot of brain fog, um, you know, having difficulty with um, cognition for long periods of time. You know, if you have a high, high intensity work life and you have to be able to focus, but your amplitudes are very low, you know the stuff. You just can't get through it. It's kind of like walking in muck that's up to your waist, right? Mm. You know where to go. You know how to use your legs. Mm. You just can't because you just don't have the appropriate amount of energy. But, you know, and that's fixable with good sleep, supplementation, exercise, oxygen therapy, red light therapy, you name it. There's a lot of different ways to improve 
those types of uh, circumstances. Now, that's interesting. Red, you mentioned red light therapy, and that's something I know a little bit about. Yeah. I don't know a lot about it. Right. Um, it's something we would we have talked about mm-hmm. as possibilities of putting in a in a gym environment for therapy for our members, and it seems to have a whole array of benefits. Blows the mind what it's doing for people. I mean, we have a product now called Firefly, and it emits uh, infrared, red, and blue light. Right, which each of those has a different effect on the body. Um, we've done some initial research, not research, so to speak, but tests around the product in conjunction with Wabi. Again, right, just tracking what is this doing for the patient. Um, and there's good research out there that shows that Parkinson's is very positively affected by these light therapies. And so when we ran Wabi scans, um, we could see a difference immediately after one session. Um, and that actually led to uh, a patient who had a long-standing tremor in the left arm um, subside for five and a half weeks after being treated, which told everybody that there was a way to maintenance the problem. It's not a cure, uh, but it is a heck of a way to, main- to maintenance a problem like that. Um, and so, you know, not, not to go super deep, but th- that product, that photobiomodulation, um, really enhances what's called ATP in the body, and that immediately goes to support uh, the neurological system within the body, and you can experience positive results almost immediately sometimes. So I'm not, no guarantees that that would be like that. You know a lot about ATP. Yeah? Okay, yeah. So you probably know more than I do, actually. You know, I mean, I don't don't try to come off like I'm a medical professional or anything, but you have to learn some of the language and have these conversations with people who are better educated than I on the subject. But, um, but that's what it does. And, um, in fact, for people who may be suffering from uh, neuropathy, uh, light therapy is, is a huge, um, opportunity for them to, uh, maintenance that and to, um, cause that to subside again, not to get into the actual disease state. If somebody's diabetic, you know, red light therapy is not going to cure diabetes, but it is going to help them to push back the symptoms that they may be suffering. And again, that's something that can be measured um, in a couple different ways. So we've expanded this approach um, into um, yet another measurement system that's being used in different parts of the country, cardio neurosystem, that actually measures for neuropathy in, believe it or not, eight minutes. It's a non-invasive test. It's FDA cleared. Um, it's very simple. I've had it done to myself because I, I work with and try everything we work with I do on myself. Um, and uh, luckily I didn't have any neuropathy. But uh, for those that do, it, it's a whole body scan. And it also finds cardiac neuropathy. So when you can get a patient appreciating their state by looking at an objective report that was produced 10 minutes from the time that the test started, you can get really uh, good compliance because they want to get better. They want that to change, right? So they want to come back to, to their practitioner having done whatever that protocol is and get measured again. How am I doing now, right? So it's not to say that this isn't something that's done in practices. It's just we want to put a tremendous focus on the idea of track and treat, get objective data, respond to the objective data, get objective data again. Pretty simple, 
right? From for a guy who's not a medical guy, I'm like, you know what? I got an idea. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's important not. I mean, when you do these um, devices, these measurement devices, that it's, you just don't get a piece of paper. It's like, okay, well, I got a problem. What do Correct. I do? You know, how do I solve this? Right. And or just so, a pill. Yeah. You know. So it, not it, to say that that isn't sometimes needed. I, so I'm not. I'm not. I'm not at war with anybody out there. I'm just saying that there are comprehensive ways to get people to a whole new level of progress with whatever they're suffering with. And, you know, case in point, again, coming back to concussion, um, concussion is, depending on the level of the injury, can be dealt with quite effectively with supplementation, right? A lot of, th uh, of what the brain can suffer is um, deficiency, nutrient deficiency. Um, and it's often the last thing on people's mind. You know, why is this person behaving this way? Why am I having this problem? And nobody's thinking that they are inherently lacking in certain vital vitamins and minerals that the brain has to have. I mean, the brain burns a lot of energy, burns a lot of calories. People underestimate it. It's somewhere in the, at least the area of around 20% of what you burn every day is burned by thinking, right? It takes a lot of energy to do that. Um, and so... As people age, these nutrients can um, start to go deficient. I sometimes liken it to, you know, the old stories of the British Navy uh, when um, they were low on ascorbic acid and didn't realize what was causing this thing called scurvy. Well, those were vitamin deficiencies, right? Bleeding of the gums, hairs falling out, guys are dying. You know, is this contagious? What is this? Right. You know, um, it's a vitamin C deficiency. So... They started putting citrus fruits on the boats, you know, oranges, limes, lemons, that kind of thing, and the problem went away. And so this does apply to the brain as well, um, as well as are these parts nutrients of the body. that are like outside of your, uh, you know, farm fresh uh, dairy or, or um, fruits and vegetables? No, not necessarily. Um, these are nutrients um, that have been carefully crafted to have a proportional effect on the brain. So I kind of try to keep that easy, too. It's just imagine if you took one grain of salt and two grains of pepper, and it has X effect on the body. Now you reverse that and do one grain of pepper and two grains of salt, and it has Y effect on the body. Mm -hmm. Now up that to 18 or 20 different ingredients that are all natural, um, that have been proportionally uh, ratioed out in a daily regimen or a weekly or monthly regimen. And now they're having a unique effect on the brain's ability to absorb them and to put the brain back in action. And I have watched people's lives changed in less than five days. Less than five days. I'm not making that up. Wow. So that'd be kind of like, you know, I always, when I was younger, I didn't quite understand the idea when you're in the hospital that, they put oxygen on your mouth, you know, when you're in the hospital. You, sure. and, and it's yeah. like, we have oxygen all around us. Why do you need oxygen? You know, then I realized it's like high concentration, right? right? It's mm -hmm. very, it's, it's, it's great, great analogy, great yeah. analogy. So, I mean, it's, it's real high concentration versus the oxygen that we typically breathe. Right. So it's like a, you know, a higher dose mm -hmm. in the areas that we're lacking. Yeah. Would that be an accurate? Yeah, I think that's Analogy. fair. Yeah, I think that's fair. They're they're certainly higher than what we see as RDAs or you know recommended daily allowance. Um, this product was created by um, Dr. Lewis Clark, 
which is thankfully a very memorable name. It's hard to forget that one. <laughs> um, but this is a man who is both a PhD and a clinical MD. So he's highly educated and took four decades of his career time to develop this product uh, slowly over time um, with a ton of research. It's used in d different hospitals. It's used, you know, on an at-home basis as well. Um, and it has a, a really profound effect for people who have different challenges. Now, I will say that this product is called Nupinex, by the way. And in these types of uh, compound um, nutraceuticals, uh, t don't tend to go into the FDA-approved category, right? Um, so when talking about that particular product, I always have to be sort of, I guess you could say careful. I'm not overly thrilled about that because if something works, I want to be able to tell people exactly how or exactly what somebody experienced. But suffice to say that people of all types with varying brain health challenges have seen um, great results. Um, I've taken it off and on for a month or two at a time just to see, again, experimenting, what would this do for me? I don't, thankfully, I don't have any major brain health problems, so, so there's probably some people out there who would disagree, but... Uh, Take it. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, sleep can be a challenge, right? And this is another area that we, a lot of people suffer from. Um, and I noticed without a doubt that this product helped me to sleep way better. Um, again, this is something that's measurable when we come back to the Wabi topic, right? It's, I can see a lack of sleep. Um, if somebody comes to me for a screening and they have no history of injury, they have no other challenges, no other concerns, no other diagnoses, but their amplitudes are super low, my first question is, how are you sleeping? And they always say the same thing. Oh, horrible. I mm. can't sleep. I haven't slept in years. You know, I wake up 12 times a night. I have a hard time getting to sleep. Once I'm up, I'm up forever. You know, I can't go back to sleep, whatever. And so, you know, you think about what sleep is to the brain. It's the recharge time, right? I kind of, again, keeping it simple. How many times have you plugged your cell phone in at night only to discover the next morning that you didn't quite push it in all the way and it didn't charge overnight because the connection wasn't there? Mm -hmm. Well, your body is feeding that energy to the brain and it has to be asleep. Well, if you're getting lousy sleep, your brain can't derive that recharge in the same kind of way, just to keep it simple. Um, and so what do you feel like when you're lacking sleep? You know what it's like, you know, you trudge through the day, you know, and, and you worry about, am I going to be able to sleep tonight? I haven't slept in two nights very well at all. Maybe tonight's the night to get some sleep. I can see that instantaneously with a Wabi scan and then recommend something like this Nupinex product or other therapies that a practitioner wants to, you know, try for their patient or their client or their customer or their member, whatever. I'm not overly fond of the word patient anymore, but I, I tend to call them clients or customers. I think that's the way um, healthcare needs to go, you know. I kind of divide the camps of healthcare and sick care. Um, both are needed, but healthcare is, you know, the wellness, the prevention, um, you know, all the things that you guys do for your clients and members. Keep yourself healthy, keep yourself mobile. That's healthcare. Right. But when you discover that you have a real need, something's truly wrong, now you're in a different area. And you can still call it healthcare, that's fine. But I call it sick care to make the point. Is that's not the time to suddenly decide to do something about your health. Right? You need to stay on top of it. 
And so that's where some of these products come in and really help people to do that. Well, how can people, say from a preventative perspective, use these products to stay on top of that? Because it's very clear, you know, Wavi can tell you, hey, there's a problem. Yeah. Nupinex can treat that problem and help fix it. Um, what should people do if they're in a state where, you know, their, their brain health is pretty good? They, they don't feel like there's any problems. They're sleeping good. How can they still use these products? Well, anybody can use, like, for instance, the Nupinex supplementation for a month or two as a regimen just to see what it may do for them. Um, and then it's something that can be used on a maintenance level, right? It's not something that is intended for anybody to take forever. Um, but somebody might need three to six months of it to rebuild uh, those nutrients and then maybe once a week to maintain. So, you know, it just depends on where a person is. But you know, especially when you're in that age bracket of, say, 40 to 60, um, health circumstances may decline naturally um, and you really don't notice it. Um, and so it's something to be aware of. You know, it's like I not that I have anything that's around this particular subject, but I often recommend people keep an eye on their pH balance, for instance. That can change without you noticing or feeling it. And um, having too acidic a pH can invite some problems. Cancer is not the least of those. Um, and so, you know, that's something that people should gauge their health the way they check their engine in their car. Mm. You know, have a, make sure you're doing something once or twice a month to check on these different issues. Um, and it's it's true also that our products are not necessarily you know ubiquitous they're not everywhere um, across the country but we have people who will come to us and say how can i how can i do this right well you know honestly most of our products are built to be purchased by practitioners who can then of course turn that into a revenue generating piece of their healthcare business yet sometimes people with disposable income will call and buy our products so they can have them in their home so that's fine too. They're just not super cheap. But um, a practitioner with a Wavi um, will want all their new patients to get a screening first as a baseline. Um, and as patients or you know clients, members, just people in general, as they think about their health, um, they may want to go in once a year to a practitioner who offers Wavi and just get that baseline every year just to kind of keep track of Where's my overall brain state? What's my brain physiology doing? Um, and, and then what do I want to do about it if I find that the, um, the results are not optimal? And, uh, you know, you get into, po you know, the possibilities are, as I say, kind of endless. I mean, neurofeedback is another, right? I'm not, I'm not directly commercially involved with neurofeedback, but I've measured patients who do neurofeedback. And um, it provides a great deal of positive outcomes for people who may have certain types of issues. And we've seen it firsthand, pre-post, you know, uh, uh, sessions that they do. And then we, we measure it. It's very impressive. It's as impressive as red light therapy. It's as impressive as a few other things that we've seen. But uh, so, you know, and then also, you know, we haven't talked too much about it yet, but, uh, you know, we have a, an electromuscle stimulation product. Um, which is, again, something that people can use um, probably more in, like, the physical training environment or a physical therapy environment. Though, again, I do have some people who use it at home, and this is a whole-body electromuscle stimulation suit. It's called Neuro20. It looks like a surfer's wetsuit, right? Cuts off at the elbow. Me and Parker and both have experience in this. Yeah. Uh, okay. Actually, we have experience with a couple of your products. Yes. Um, and I guess that's 
where I wanted now that you brought that up, where I think it'd be good to kind of connect um, what we do for a living and how you could see some of these products being used and as a because there, what's happening? Let's start. I'm starting to see it is that there's some gyms starting to bring in other revenue generation type of services. Yeah. Outside of just being a gym. Sure. Right. That are totally you know associated you know, with health. Be, more uh, of a health and wellness type of focus. Correct. Like, you know, OT or, or red light therapy or right. uh, stretch therapy. You know, these are things that we're probably going to start seeing more of going under the umbrella of, and I don't know if it will be called a gym anymore, but uh, it'll be kind of a, I think that's going to start happening. Because, yeah, it is happening. Because me and Parker both have been in the, worked with our clients and they're going outside Mm-hmm. And getting all these additional therapies. Yes. Yeah, there's a definite merging of lifestyle approaches and preventative health care approaches with actual healthcare clinical environments. And that's a very interesting um, development. But um, for instance, you know, a, a place like what you guys have is the Neuro 20 would be a good fit because if it's a physical training environment, then, um, you know, it's a. Uh, it's a full body suit, as I was saying, cuts off at the elbow and the knee, and it delivers electrical impulse to 42 muscle groups. But it is hitting core muscle, deep muscle. It's not hitting just top layer muscle. And it's also awakening the neurological system. I mean, we've seen changes in people that has been anything from depression symptoms um, to strength conditioning issues, injuries, um, you know, misalignments uh, due to muscle guarding from an old injury, you name it. Um, I've seen with my, pretty much my own eyes, and I'll say this based on the fact that it was a video uh, that I was watching, I wasn't in the room, but I saw this patient with my own eyes um, who had not been able to walk in 10 years. And after a couple of sessions with the Neuro 20, was able to walk with a cane and a wall bar. He was not able to do that before. Um, so it is reawakening the neurological system in the human body. It is producing a multi-neuronal excitation in the brain, which is causing the brain and body to refine, to kind of find or refine the connection that might have been lost due to an injury or whatever the cause might have been. And uh, it's changing people's lives. Uh, just, I can't even tell you. I mean, it's such an exciting product. I have an older gentleman who has used it um, twice a week for probably the last year. Um, and his, his initial interest was he was going back to a high school reunion and he'd been suffering from neuropathy and muscle atrophy in one of his legs and probably both to some extent, but you know, he was limping, he was having difficulty climbing stairs. Uh, he had to literally hold the, hold onto the rail one step at a time, two feet, then the next one. Now he's walking upstairs like you and me. And that was a short period of time, a couple of see, months. See, I, I see this as a viable tool. Totally um, is. I have a client that I've been training for a year and a half, same issue, going up steps mm-hmm. is a problem, right? Yep. I remember when I did kind of an observation of him the first day, I wanted to see what his, his limitations were. Yes. I had set up a step, not too high, and I said, okay, you know, and I gave him a pole to put on the ground, and please step up on this step. Mm-hmm. Couldn't do it. Right. Could not do it. Now, after a year and a half of training, he can now go up steps without holding onto the railing. Right. So that feels fantastic as a trainer, but it's also fantastic for him. Now, if you have this tool, 
Mm-hmm. You're just expediting that process. Yes. No, I've seen it. I've seen that too. So I've worked with uh, physical trainers who have had this very same client that I was talking about um, keep the suit off, right? Suits on, but we don't have it turned on. And he's doing um, this, right? Uh, toe razor, mm-hmm. heel razor. Mm-hmm. I don't really call it toe razor because it's the heel that goes up. <laughs> but uh, any case, he couldn't. He couldn't do a, t- a toe razor. He didn't have the strength to push his heels up off the ground. So then we turned the suit on. Now he's getting a signal that runs all the way down into his feet, right? Despite the fact that the suit cuts off at the knee, it still sends the signal all the way down. He could get a half a toe razor in. This is three minute difference in time. Okay, the reaction of the physical trainer, oh my gosh, you know, I didn't see that coming. Uh, because it is causing it's causing a synergistic alignment of muscle groups on both sides of the body to function together in a synchronized mm. way that he doesn't have control of, right? But he will, right? Because now you're forcing the issue with the signal, and then shortly thereafter, they're able to maintain that new mobility. I'm and assuming that's retraining that. the brain. It is retraining the brain, and it's retraining the muscle. Yeah, so we've seen guys with like uh, multiple systems atrophy, which is kind of a Parkinson's sort of version. So, you know, fluidity of movement and the gait when walking is a little bit like 3PO, for instance, 3C, you know, 3CPO. Mm-hmm. So very noticeable, not fluid, yeah. et cetera. And then um, one session, uh, next day, second session, um, suit is on walking, normal, normal gait, normal fluidity. Now the question is, can he hold that when the suit's turned off? Answer, yes, he was able to do that. So it's. It's a and huge development in physical training and physical therapy. How long did that take? How, how much treatment does it take to where he can do it without the suit? I, he did two sessions of no more than 15 minutes. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And you would not use this particular product more than twice a week for about 20 minutes. Um, now, it has other settings you can use. So, but for like strength conditioning, the signal can be used for about 20 minutes. Now, if you're really getting used to it, you've been doing this for months and you're, you know, you're strengthened up, et cetera, you may get away with a third session in a week, but yeah, so that's, that's how that works. I can remember when you brought these suits in for us to try. Yeah. I, there, I was sore in places that I don't know if I'd ever been sore before and will ever be sore again. Yeah. It's true. It's true. But you know, at the same time, uh, it, it's, a, it's a different kind of soreness. If you remember, Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like typical soreness from a typical workout, right? I mean, do, would you agree? It was deeper. Yeah. Definitely. So imagine that the signal is on for say 30 seconds and then it's 15 seconds off. And during that rest period, you're getting this electrical tapping that pulses, right? Boom, boom, boom. That is causing that, uh, synovial fluid to be flushed out, right? So, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The, um, the pain that you get in the muscles, um, after working out. What's the, uh, I can't remember what Delayed you, onset muscle soreness? Yeah. No, it's just the cause of it. What's the, uh, the re- it's the release of whatever. Lactic acid? Lactic acid is okay. what I'm looking for. So the lactic acid is flushed out of the muscles because of that tapping. So you won't get that same soreness, but you're also working deep muscle that we hardly ever work out, right? These are muscles that are deep and we don't use them very often. Now you're using them. And so that's a different... It's kind of a weird soreness, but it's not pain. It's not super painful either. And that lasts a day or two, maybe three. But uh, you're soon over that. By week two, you're feeling good. 
And, you know, I have used it for long periods of time, twice a week, pretty religiously, six, eight months at a time. And I've just noticed, you know, I'm not trying to become an Olympic athlete or anything, but I had noticed um, an increase in strength just in everyday activity. And that might have been climbing stairs, right? Or scooping my 11-year-old son up off a couch because he fell asleep on Friday night watching a movie, right? Um, well, at 11 years old, he's starting to get a little lanky, you know? I'm, I'm 52 years old. I'm not exactly looking for lower back problems, but it didn't even occur to me. I just went, and just brought him upstairs and put him in bed. I'm like, I haven't done that in a while. Yeah. You know? so, so even if you don't have big problems, you're going to definitely notice greater strength, greater mobility. And, and that's, again, that's the name of the game, like I said earlier, is maintaining health, maintaining strength, mobility. is such a key to just maintaining health the older we get. Right, so you can use this. I'm using this with people who are almost 80 years old. Yeah, and they love it. Well, it's also being used at high level of sports athletes on like the highest level. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and it's been used for recovery after injury, after surgery. Um, at the athletic level, they are definitely seeing um, positive changes in outcomes. Say, I won't use names or anything, but you know, some people who are super fast runners. Let's put it that way and may have some records, right? But um, are adding, uh, dropping or cutting seconds off of their records after using this product. Um, a young lady I heard the story about, soccer player, tore the ACL. And if you know anything about ACL, the surgery healing and recovery time is pretty long. Um, hers was cut in half. Um, and at, during that time of use, added um, at least a full inch of muscle in the thigh region of the leg. Um, that's not something anybody ever sees during a recovery time after an ACL surgery. But, you know, so what you're looking at is um, after they did some studies, two 20-minute sessions per week in a workout mode is equivalent to five one-hour workouts. That's pretty impressive, especially for somebody who may be a little crunched for time mm -hmm. but wants the results. Uh, it's pretty well worth doing that. Now, you know, when you get back to uh, how do you use this in conjunction with other things, which is the name of my game, um, Wavi can certainly be used to track uh, brain physiology changes, uh, brain physiology changes it, when you're using Neurotony, because there are some. Um, you can use it um, in conjunction with red light therapy, for instance. So imagine if it's a neuropathy issue, Red light therapy is fantastic for neuropathy, but so is a muscle, uh, electromuscle stimulation. Putting those two together is, is changing lives. And, and that's, that's really the name of the game for us. So um, curious, testosterone's a big thing in what we do. Yeah. Is there any measurement device that you use that would, testosterone would, or you might not know it's testosterone, but testosterone, having low testosterone would be measured in a, in a secondary effect what the, either the... I don't know that I do, honestly, Matt. Um, I was thinking as to whether Nupinex had any any potential correlation with that, but I just don't know. I don't know the answer. Um, Nupinex is made by Clark Bioscience, and they do have other products. And here's a crazy one talking about um, testosterone. Um, I, so there's a bit of an underestimation as to how much estrogen men need. And they can actually have deficiencies of estrogen, not something that we would normally think about. Um, but uh, Dr. Lewis Clark, again, uh, go out and do the research or look him up, and, and you know they've got a great YouTube channel and all that. But uh, 
that is a subject that he addresses um, uh, because there can be certain symptoms that men can have. I mean, obviously, men have higher testosterone, low estrogen, and women the other way around. But that estrogen level is still important uh, in men's health, not to switch the subject. Uh, but uh, so that, that is the type of thing that, uh, that Clark Bioscience is into. So that could be worth looking into on a research basis. But yeah, off the top of my head, uh, n probably not at the moment. And I was thinking more in the measurement aspect. There's nothing you that would be indicative of low testosterone. Oh, low testosterone and its effect on brain physiology, for instance. Yeah. It's not a subject that I've dealt a lot with. I was just curious. Yeah, no. Yeah. But I, I mean, I can always ask. That's the great thing about working with Wavi is I... I have, have access to all these doctors. Oh yeah, all the nerds, all the <laughs> brainiacs, you know. Yeah. I'm just, I'm the guy out there, you know, pounding the pavement. You know, how did it go? Uh, guys, <laughs> can you answer this question for me? Hmm. Wasn't well, there a, um, I think it was a friend of ours, Grant, who did a test on you as far as uh, what kind of salesman you would be? Oh, yeah. Well, see, you know, it's, it's so strange. That's one of those personality, that's the high level personality accuracy stuff. You know what the irony of all that is, is I don't really personally like sales. Right. And I don't consider myself to be a salesman, but the, I have an unusual, um, what's the right word, result. Right. And what was the word? He likened it to being an assassin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so. like, don't tell anybody else that. I guess we just did. But uh. You know, I've heard it. I think we've, we've both heard it, but I think our listeners should hear it. Tell us about the, the tooth story with the neurosuit. Oh, my gosh. That was crazy. Yeah. I, I couldn't. This other stuff, I, it kind of makes sense, I can believe, but this, right. this is crazy. Okay. So, um, as I said, you know, kind of waking up that brain and body connection with Neuro20 is something that was happening to me personally as I was using it twice a week. Um, I've taken a little bit of break lately, but we'll be getting back into it more. But um, after a few weeks of consistent use, um, I started noticing something going on with my left jaw toward the back. Now, years ago, I had my wisdom teeth taken out, like a lot of people do, and uh, you know, had the procedure, went home, moved on with my life. Um, but over the years, I just always noticed that I would have, I had kind of a strange problem with the back, uh, with the bottom left. Uh, everything else was great. Tops, perfectly fine. Um, and I just never knew what it was. It would come and go, you know, and I'm not the type to rush off to the dock too much. So I didn't really think to do anything about it. Um, but this went on for a long time. And so I'm using Neuro20 and all of a sudden I'm, I'm getting this weird, like, I don't know, hard calcified lump off to the side of my jaw and the inside of my mouth. I'm like, I thought, did I eat something and something got jammed into the skin inside my mouth? What is this? I've never experienced anything like this. It wouldn't move. It wouldn't budge. I'm like, this is crazy. And then another, right? And then a couple of weeks goes by and finally pop. And I'm like, that's a piece of tooth. Wow. Okay, it happened five times, right? So whoever, I don't even remember who this was, but whoever did the job with the wisdom teeth left a piece of broken tooth or several pieces, and uh, I guess he had a thing that day and had to rush off. I don't know, <laughs> but uh, I'm like, I call the, the medical director. I'm like, I know this is going to sound really weird. I've never had anything like this happen to me before, but um, is this, and the only thing I'm doing different, 
is the suit. So he's like, no, it's totally the suit. The suit is causing the brain and the body to talk. Uh, for whatever reason, the body just wasn't recognizing the foreign object. You know, and we've all had things like that, or many of us have, you know, uh, where you might get something lodged into your finger like a big splinter or something. Mm -hmm. Well, that takes a little time to work itself out, right? That's what should have happened here probably, but it didn't. So re-engaging with the suit caused my body to say, hey, what's this? Get it out. Five chunks of wisdom tooth comes out the, the side of and my just, gum. And just on the inside like it extracted itself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So think of that as like the healing mechanism, right? This is causing the body to better heal itself, right? And, I wonder and if the, that would work case. for like all kinds of toxins that might be in your body where it would oh, secrete sure. that. Yeah, hmm. I think that it would, yeah. No, don't quote me, but I can get more information back to you. But, yeah. uh, I don't want to say anything that's not true. Well, so. you know, I do, I, you know, I want to try and keep it on the up and up, obviously, but I'm, I'm always super impressed with the stuff that we work with. And, I mean, just the level of, of results is so mind-boggling sometimes, you know, when you hear about people who have had um, severe pain Right. For instance, um, I'm trying to remember exactly. I don't know if it was an MS patient, but severe pain and um, if not a tremor, some kind of quiver in the muscle for three years straight without it ever stopping. Can you imagine having to deal with that? Mm. And it stopped after using Neuro20. Pain went away. How many sessions? One. One session. Mm. And so now I'm saying... But did he have to go back? Yeah, so, start so to of come course, back? Yeah. yeah. So several days, five, six, seven days later, starts to come back. We don't expect the root cause to be healed, right? but we expect to be able to manage and maintenance the symptoms much better than before. And, and that, you know, what a difference in the quality of life. I mean, imagine day and night, this pain it never subsides, gone for a week. That's a heck of a vacation. <laughs> you know, that's the thing about... You know, when you, when you get into not, you know, some of the, uh, I'm going to call medicines that are out there. Now, you mentioned Nupinex. Yeah. Well, what, how much of a relief is it that I can take it for a short period of time? I don't have to be on it all the time. Right. Yeah, you right. know, I can maintenance it by getting a good dose. Yes. And then maintenance it like once a week, once a month, whatever. Yep. And then, but... What's the majority of a pharmacy like now? Every single day. Once you're on, you're right. on. Oftentimes. You know, well, it's, yeah. it's fixing the problem versus treating the problem. Yes. And, and that's traditional medicine is let's just do enough to mask the problem and yeah. then keep them on it forever. Right. And this exactly. is actually, hey, let's fix the problem. Let's yep. improve the results so that you don't need this anymore. So that right. sounds like a mindset shift, right? Because right. we're all conditioned to treat the problem, not heal the problem. Right. And so... I'm assuming you have had some challenges uh, with the mindset of, you know, getting people past that to understand these different, you know, this measurement and intervention approach. Um, has it been people have been kind of like? Yeah, I mean, there certainly have been some that push back or that ultimately feel that they're not interested in in integrating what we have. Um, you know. It, is it possible that um, certain new technologies can be a threat? And it doesn't even have to be in medicine. It doesn't have to be healthcare. Can new technologies become a bit of a threat to the old way of doing things? Absolutely it can. Yeah. So there's probably a little bit of that out there, but we find um, 
that the practitioners we end up working with gravitate to us, you know, um, through different means of putting ourselves out there, right, promotionally speaking, they come to us. They come ready to learn, interested in what's going on. Um, I, don't, I don't tend to try to push things too hard, uh, you know, in the sales direction. If, if I can see, all right, this isn't going to go anywhere, this individual doesn't want to incorporate this, fine, we just move on. But, um, but I think that it's, what's crazy is I've talked to practitioners and, and said those very words, track and treat. Ha, track and treat. I like that. That sounds good. I'm like, yeah. isn't that what you've been doing for the last 40 years? Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I didn't think it was that new of an idea. I figured this is what was going on. In, and I work with people that range from literally from athletic trainers all the way up to neurologists and everything in the middle. Right, PCPs, uh, nurse practitioners, chiropractors, physical therapists, etc. Um, so th- there's a range, and you know they can all make use of these tools. You don't have to have a super high level, um, lo- you know, level of credentialing, which is fine if you do. Great, uh, obviously that's needed. But I'm just saying that if somebody wants to look at the performance of their athletes as an athletic trainer, now they have the tools to do it. You know, and they can introduce that as a revenue line for their business. That's not often the piece that, you know, the patient suffering is thinking about. Um, but if you're going to run a healthcare business or, or even the type that you guys are expanding, um, that's a reality, right? You can't just bring things in that are all costs. There has to be some kind of a way to have an ROI on these things. And, and that's why we got into this because they are actually, I mean, as I say, household use priced, you know, would be considered high. The price would be high. But for practices, not really. They're pretty affordable and they generate. And they're, and almost all of what we work with is also billable with insurance. Um, we have clients that do, um, you know, insurance reimbursement or they do cash pay or they're a hybrid. They do both. Um, and so, you know, our goal is just to make sure that people gain access to this. So, I mean, I suppose key to that is if somebody um, does not yet have this in their area, let me know. I'm literally working on a case where the patient has had uh, the ability to use Neuro20, um, had a prescription to do it, because that's the typical process for the use, is getting a simple uh, script from a doc. Um, But then having follow-up with the doc, wanting to get... Uh, physical therapy involved for their opinion, right? And so now I've got a practitioner and a PT group communicating with each other through the patient. Um, and the hope there is that that will develop into something a little bit bigger because that's what you want. You want them to be aware that these tools are out there. They're fantastic to use in, in the environment that you guys are used to, um, but they can be used all the way up to, you know, medical grade mm-hmm. use. So, uh, so I don't know if I answered your question, but sometimes pushback, I think not generally. A question. Yeah. Well, yeah. So for the listeners, say if they're interested in any or all of these products, what is the steps that, that they can take to obtain access to them? Um, you know, if somebody wants to reach out directly, we're always happy to kind of talk them through that. Uh, neurologic.life, L-I-F-E, is our web. Uh, neurologic.life, and then there you have uh, a phone number that can be called and email, et cetera. So just go out to the site, take a look at what we've got going on, and 
Um, and we're expanding. You know, we're we're looking to add new uh, new equipment that we feel fits the brain and neurological health because that is our overall focus, right? We're not looking to just bring anything medical in. We want to focus on brain and neurological health. Um, so that would be the easiest way for people to learn more. And and then, you know, we can help them to communicate with a practitioner if they need it. Um, or if somebody is a practitioner and just wants to see what the opportunity may look like, great. Happy to, happy to take a call and talk them through that. So that's how that would work best. Wow. Well, um, the other aspect I wanted to ask you about is um, when you are um, working, I mean, you've, I mean, we've done the Wavi brain health scans. Right. Right. And I remember that when I was looking at mine, I was like, she said, well, it looks good. Right. And so my first response I was, was like, lying to him, but whatever. Okay. <laughs> You look good for 57. <laughs> oh, this is great. I got to go. <laughs> we need some intervention quick. Um, so how, I mean, I guess one of the things that I, w I would want to know is, you know, if someone's wanting that done, right, mm -hmm. they can send it to a doctor that can, I mean, you have an MD on staff that can right. give them, read the scan, right? Because yeah. I'm, I'm, I can look at it and I'm like, Right. You yeah, know. that's right. So we have a couple of different ways to do that, especially for practitioners. We have MD to, you know, to kind of you know, guide them through the reading of the report. Uh, it's something that they will eventually get used to. Um, and then if we have to also, if, there, if there's a call for it, we can also forward that all out to a neurologist who may need to read the raw wave data, you know, to rule out something like epilepsy or, you know, something of that nature. Uh, but yeah, we have those solutions to make sure that people know what's going on, um, you know, but all, honestly, from the, from the front end of the report, once you have a, an understanding as to what these combinations of results kind of tie back to, again, whether it's injury, cognitive, mental, mood, et cetera, they're going to have some pretty standard, um, combinations of results and, um, as I say, like for like a, a new concussion, you're going to expect amplitudes to be low. An old concussion that somebody's not healing from, low amplitudes and a flat peak alpha frequency, which I won't get into the depths of all of it, but peak alpha frequency is important in a couple different types of reads, right? It's a spike in that band of brain waves. And um, so uh, you would see it flatten out in a couple different cases, you know, a young person with a concussion that they haven't healed from after, say, three years, it's still a persistent concussive state. Or someone in much later years who may be going into, um, like, a dementia state, you would be looking for a flat peak alpha, right, in those types of instances. So, yeah, these different combinations mean different things, um, and we do train the docs to understand that. Yeah, so. Well, Steve, anything else that you want to... Uh, talk to our audience about? You know, just grateful to have the opportunity to uh, share the information. As I say, I just think, um, I think healthcare is heading in um, a new, exciting, positive direction. I think a lot of people have had experiences um, that they may have been disappointed with. Um, I don't, again, I'm not picking big fights with any part of uh, the healthcare system as much as I am saying that Patients are human beings. Um, we want to treat them as clients, as customers. 
I'm really uh, for the ability to buy health care like we buy bread. Um, I have no problem, obviously, with insurance and things like that. Those are all great. Um, but I want people to be able to have access to things that work, that are measurable, that are easily proven. And I think that's kind and, of what we're about. And that was just what I was about to say, is that what I'm excited about is the fact that this brings these interventions and and or measurement and interventions yeah. closer to the public. So it's not these huge price tags yeah. to get over to get them done. Right. Yeah. Which not, is where medicine should be headed yeah, anyway. I agree. And, you know, and there's some things, honestly, that we're working on right now that I'm just, I'm not at a place where we can really talk a lot about them yet. But maybe we come back to the table again. And I think we six, can do a whole, next time we can do a whole show on this fire. Is it Firefly? Firefly. Yeah. I mean, that sounds fascinating to it's me. It's unbelievable. But, yeah. Well, before you go, you have to do your opening real quick. So let's see if everyone recognizes it. Uh, let me see. Uh, welcome to another edition of Loading the Bar. There you go. You should recognize that voice. <laughs> yeah, Steve is a man of many talents. So uh, he writes, he's got uh, a VO, he's a good salesman, and he knows how to run a business. So. Well, some days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. So. And luckily, he was a part of this podcast, but he gets to be a part of every podcast because he's time. done the That's intro right. and the outro. That's right. So. That's right. <laughs> Even Very if thankful. he's not here, he's here. That's, That's right. right. He's with us. <laughs> well, thanks. That's for a good me. one. I like that. Even if he's not here, he is here. He's here in spirit. Right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Um, I know that I learned quite a bit from good. you talking yeah. there. You know, I've had experience with the products you talked about, um, have done the, the Wavi and, and used the Neuro 20 suit, but right. always enjoy learning more about what it is and, and how they can help people. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, such a new technology. So, I mean, it's one of those things I'm thinking, man, I got 20 more questions in my head, but we do need to end the podcast. So. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yep. We'll have to pick back up another time and, and continue it on. Yeah. So Glad Steve, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Yep. Uh, Matt, you got anything to say before we hop off here? Nope. See you next week, guys. All right. Yep. We'll be back next week with some more great content for you. Thanks for joining us. All right. Bye. Hey, look at you. You've completed another milestone by finishing this episode of Loading the Bar. Your future self thanks you profusely. Loading the Bar is podcasted from Lee Summit, Missouri. Email us at cpt.kansascity at gmail.com. Forge ahead and share your progress. And we'll see you back here for another episode of Loading the Bar.